Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and you're listening to the Bible in a Year podcast, where we encounter God's voice and live life through the lens of Scripture. The Bible in a Year podcast is brought to you by Ascension. Using the Great Adventure Bible timeline, we'll read all the way from Genesis to Revelation, discovering how the story of salvation unfolds and how we fit into that story today. It is day 307. We're reading 2 Maccabees chapter 10, Wisdom chapters 9 and 10, and Proverbs chapter 25, verses 4 through 7. As always, the Bible translation I'm reading from is the Revised Standard Version of the Second Catholic Edition. I'm using the Great Adventure Bible from Ascension. If you want to download your own Bible in a Year reading plan, you can visit ascensionpress.com slash Bible in a Year. You can also subscribe to this podcast by clicking on subscribe and receiving daily episodes. Also, a little shout out to all of those who don't merely listen, but also read along on YouTube because I think you can you can subscribe to that too. Oh man, subscriptions all over the place. Subscriptions abound on day 307 as we're reading 2 Maccabees chapter 10, Wisdom chapter 9 and 10, and Proverbs chapter 25 verses 4 through 7. The second book of the Maccabees, chapter 10, the purification of the temple. Now Maccabeus and his followers, the Lord leading them on, recovered the temple and the city, and they tore down the altars which had been built in the public square by the foreigners, and also destroyed the sacred precincts. They purified the sanctuary, and made another altar of sacrifice. Then, striking fire out of flint, they offered sacrifices after a lapse of two years, and they burned incense and lighted lamps, and set out the bread of the presence. And when they had done this, they fell prostrate and begged the Lord that they might never again fall into such misfortunes, but that if they should ever sin, they might be disciplined by him with forbearance and not be handed over to blasphemous and barbarous nations. It happened that on the same day on which the sanctuary had been profaned by the foreigners, the purification of the sanctuary took place, that is, on the 25th day of the same month, which was Chislev. And they celebrated it for eight days with rejoicing in the manner of the Feast of Booths, remembering how not long before, during the Feast of Booths, they had been wandering in the mountains and caves like wild animals. Therefore, bearing ivy-wreathed wands and beautiful branches, and also fronds of palm, they offered hymns of thanksgiving to him who had given success to the purifying of his own holy place. They decreed by public ordinance and vote that the whole nation of the Jews should observe these days every year. Such, then, was the end of Antiochus, who was called Epiphanes. Now we will tell what took place under Antiochus Eupator, who was the son of that ungodly man, and will give a brief summary of the principal calamities of the wars. This man, when he succeeded to the kingdom, appointed one Lysias to have charge of the government and to be chief governor of Coelsyria and Phoenicia. Ptolemy, who was called Macron, took the lead in showing justice to the Jews because of the wrong that had been done to them and attempted to maintain peaceful relations with them. As a result, he was accused before Eupator by the king's friends. He heard himself called a traitor at every turn because he had abandoned Cyprus, which Philometor had entrusted to him and had gone over to Antiochus Epiphanes. Unable to command the respect due his office, he took poison and ended his life. Campaign in Idumea When Gorgias became governor of the region, he maintained a force of mercenaries, and at every turn kept on warring against the Jews. Besides this, the Idumeans, who had control of important strongholds, were harassing the Jews. They received those who were banished from Jerusalem and endeavored to keep up the war. But Maccabeus and his men, after making solemn supplication and begging God to fight on their side, rushed to the strongholds of the Idumeans. Attacking them vigorously, they gained possession of the places and beat off all who fought upon the wall and slew those whom they encountered, killing no fewer than 20,000. When no less than 9,000 took refuge in two very strong towers well equipped to withstand a siege, Maccabeus left Simon and Joseph and also Zacchaeus and his men 
a force sufficient to besiege them, and he himself set off for places where he was more urgently needed. But the men with Simon, who were money-hungry, were bribed by some of those who were in the towers, and on receiving seventy thousand drachmas let some of them slip away. When word of what had happened came to Maccabeus, he gathered the leaders of the people and accused these men of having sold their brethren for money by setting their enemies free to fight against them. Then he slew these men who had turned traitor and immediately captured the two towers. Having success at arms in everything he undertook, he destroyed more than 20,000 in the two strongholds. Judas defeats Timothy. Now Timothy, who had been defeated by the Jews before, gathered a tremendous force of mercenaries and collected the cavalry from Asia in no small number. He came on, intending to take Judea by storm. As he drew near, Maccabeus and his men sprinkled dust upon their heads and put on sackcloth in supplication to God. Falling upon the steps before the altar, they begged him to be gracious to them and to be an enemy to their enemies and an adversary to their adversaries, as the law declares. And rising from their prayer, they took up their arms and advanced a considerable distance from the city, and when they came near to the enemy, they halted. Just as dawn was breaking, the two armies joined battle, the one having as pledge of success and victory not only their valor, but their reliance upon the Lord, while the other made rage their leader in the fight. When the battle became fierce, there appeared to the enemy from heaven five resplendent men on horses with golden bridles, and they were leading the Jews. Surrounding Maccabeus and protecting him with their own armor and weapons, they kept him from being wounded. And they showered arrows and thunderbolts upon the enemy, so that, confused and blinded, they were thrown into disorder and cut to pieces. Twenty thousand five hundred were slaughtered, besides six hundred horsemen. Timothy himself fled to a stronghold called Gazara, especially well garrisoned, where Chaereas was commander. Then Maccabeus and his men were glad, and they besieged the fort for four days. The men within, relying on the strength of the place, blasphemed terribly and hurled out wicked words. But at dawn of the fifth day, twenty young men in the army of Maccabeus, fired with anger because of the blasphemies, bravely stormed the wall and with savage fury cut down everyone they met. Others who came up in the same way wheeled around against the defenders and set fire to the towers. They kindled fires and burned the blasphemers alive. Others broke open the gates and let in the rest of the force, and they occupied the city. They killed Timothy, who was hidden in a cistern, and his brother Chaereas, and Apollophanes. When they had accomplished these things, with hymns and thanksgiving, they blessed the Lord, who shows great kindness to Israel, and gives them the victory. The Wisdom of Solomon So I appealed to the Lord and implored him, and with my whole heart I said, Chapter 9. The Prayer of Solomon O God of my fathers, and Lord of mercy, who have made all things by your word, and by your wisdom have formed man, to have dominion over the creatures you have made, and rule the world in holiness and righteousness, and pronounce judgment in uprightness of soul, give me the wisdom that sits by your throne, and do not reject me from among your servants, for I am your slave." and the son of your maidservant, a man who is weak and short-lived, with little understanding of judgment and laws. For even if one is perfect among the sons of men, yet without the wisdom that comes from you, he will be regarded as nothing. You have chosen me to be king of your people and to be judge over your sons and daughters. You have given command to build a temple on your holy mountain and an altar in the city of your habitation, a copy of the holy tent which you prepared from the beginning. With you is wisdom, who knows your works and was present when you made the world. 
and who understands what is pleasing in your sight and what is right according to your commandments. Send her forth from the holy heavens, and from the throne of your glory send her, that she may be with me and toil, and that I may learn what is pleasing to you. For she knows and understands all things, and she will guide me wisely in my actions and guard me with her glory. Then my works will be acceptable, and I shall judge your people justly, and shall be worthy of the throne of my Father. For what man can learn the counsel of God, or who can discern what the Lord wills? For the reasoning of mortals is worthless, and our designs are likely to fail. For a perishable body weighs down the soul, and this earthly tent burdens the thoughtful mind. We can hardly guess at what is on earth, and what is at hand we find with labor. But who has traced out what is in the heavens? Who has learned your counsel unless you have given wisdom and sent your Holy Spirit from on high? And thus the paths of those on earth were set aright, and men were taught what pleases you, and were saved by wisdom. Chapter 10. The Deeds of Wisdom Wisdom protected the first-formed father of the world. When he alone had been created, she delivered him from his transgression and gave him strength to rule all things. But when an unrighteous man departed from her in his anger, he perished because in rage he slew his brother. When the earth was flooded because of him, wisdom again saved it, steering the righteous man by a paltry piece of wood. Wisdom also, when the nations in wicked agreement had been confounded, recognized the righteous man and preserved him blameless before God, and kept him strong in the face of his compassion for his child. Wisdom rescued a righteous man when the ungodly were perishing. He escaped the fire that descended on the five cities. Evidence of their wickedness still remains, a continually smoking wasteland, plants bearing fruit that does not ripen, and a pillar of salt standing as a monument to an unbelieving soul. For because they passed wisdom by, they not only were hindered from recognizing the good, but also left for mankind a reminder of their folly, so that their failures could never go unnoticed. Wisdom rescued from troubles those who served her. When a righteous man fled from his brother's wrath, she guided him on straight paths. She showed him the kingdom of God and gave him knowledge of angels. She prospered him in his labors and increased the fruit of his toil. When his oppressors were covetous, she stood by him and made him rich. She protected him from his enemies and kept him safe from those who lay in wait for him. In his arduous contest, she gave him the victory so that he might learn that godliness is more powerful than anything. When a righteous man was sold, wisdom did not desert him, but delivered him from sin. She descended with him into the dungeon, and when he was in prison, she did not leave him until she brought him the scepter of a kingdom and authority over his masters. Those who accused him, she showed to be false, and she gave him everlasting honor. A holy people and blameless race, wisdom delivered from a nation of oppressors. She entered the soul of a servant of the Lord and withstood dread kings with wonders and signs. She gave to holy men the reward of their labors. She guided them along a marvelous way and became a shelter to them by day and a starry flame through the night. She brought them over the Red Sea and led them through deep waters, but she drowned their enemies and cast them up from the depth of the sea. Therefore, the righteous plundered the ungodly. They sang hymns, O Lord, to your holy name and praised with one accord your defending hand because wisdom opened the mouth of the mute and made the tongues of infants speak clearly. The book of Proverbs, chapter 25, verses 4 through 7. Take away the dross from the silver and the smith has material for a vessel. Take away the wicked from the presence of the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence, 
or stand in the place of the great. For it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of the prince. Father in heaven, we give you praise. Thank you, God, for your goodness. And thank you for this day. Thank you for a new day. And we know that with every new day, your mercies are new as well. And your love for us is constant. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we praise you. Help us to live this day uh, as yours. Help us to live this day as sons and daughters. Help us to live this day belonging to you and doing your will because you continue to shape the way that we see who you are and the way we see who you made us to be and who you are calling us to be to our brothers and sisters. Help us to love you above everything and to love our neighbors as ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So here we are back in Second Maccabees chapter 10. What a gift to be able to hear, once again, the story of uh, Judas Maccabeus coming into the temple in Jerusalem. And one of the biggest offenses to the Jewish people and biggest offenses to, not just to their way of life, that sounds so shallow, biggest offenses to their covenant relationship with the Lord God himself was the desolation of abomination like placed in the temple, right? This this horrible action of Antiochus Epiphanes in the, the temple itself, this place of worship that belonging to the Lord God alone and to no other, um, the Holy of Holies, you know, being desecrated. Obviously, we already heard about Jeremiah who had already taken the tabernacle, like the Ark of the Covenant away. But we also have the restoring of the Holy of Holies. We have the restoring of the bread of the presence. We have the restoring of the temple essentially, right? And not only that, we have the origins, once again, the origins of Hanukkah uh, told for us. Now, after this, what do we have? We have more battles, of course. But in these battles, once again, it is so important for all of us. The campaign in Edomia, Judas defeating Timothy, um, all of these, it's important for us to understand. And once again, just, just be reminded of the fact that here is uh, Judas Maccabeus and going into battle. And he, he reminds them when they def defeat or go against Timothy, he says this, he says, reminding them that the one army have as pledge of success and victory, not only their valor, but their reliance upon the Lord, while the other had rage as their leader in the fight, that they had valor, courage, yes. And they also had their reliance, their confidence, their faith in the Lord, while the other made rage their leader in the fight. And I think about this recognition that, yeah, we're called to be courageous and we're called to have faith. That sense of where does our courage even come from? Our courage actually comes from the faith. The courage that we have and that we're called to, to, to live in, to walk in, comes from the fact that we know that our Lord God is real and the Lord God is with us, that he is fighting for us. And this has been the story of Second Maccabees this entire time for these last 10 days. We've been reading Second Maccabees has been this reminder that we're not just simply called to engage in battles against principalities and powers, we're not simply just called to engage the, you know, the culture wars essentially as well. We're called to be brave. We're called to be courageous because we recognize and we know that God is near us. And so the big question always is going to be, when I take this step, God, am I taking this step for you or is this step just for myself? Like, you know, if, God, is this battle that I'm, you know, taking up arms in, is this for you or is this just for myself? Because, you know, we can, in many ways, I mean, one of the common temptations of, of Christians is, well, of everybody, is to say, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do it in God's name, even though I am not certain that he has asked me to do this. And so that recognition of reading Second Maccabees and realizing that, yes, here is Judas Maccabeus, here are the others. Now, not everything they do, just like every other human being, not everything they do 
is going to be honorable to the Lord or is going to honor the Lord. And so we recognize that, um, God, what we do, please help us to only do what honors the Lord. Uh, now, going back into the wisdom of Solomon, chapter 10, you know, chapter 9 was great. We had the intro yesterday of the fact that Solomon is going to pray this prayer, and then we got the prayer today in chapter 9. And then the deeds of wisdom are so great. It's almost like a riddle. I don't know if you caught on to chapter 10 and the deeds of wisdom because they're describing these characters from the Old Testament that you and I know but not naming them. For example, <laughs> a wisdom protected the first form father of the world when he alone had been created. She delivered him from his transgression and gave him strength to rule all things. Who is that, my friends? That's that's Adam, of course. And going on to say, I recognize the righteous man, preserved him blameless before God, before God, kept him strong in the face of his compassion for his child. She, wisdom, rescued a righteous man when the ungodly were perishing. He escaped the fire that descended on the five cities. Who would that be? Well, that would be Abraham, right? In the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, even talking about the pillar of salt standing as a monument to an unbelieving soul. Rewind a little bit and you have the story of Cain and Abel in verse three. You have the story of Noah in verse four, when the earth was flooded because of him. Wisdom again saved it, steering the righteous man by a paltry piece of wood, which I like the description of the Ark of Noah, not the Ark of the Covenant, Noah's Ark. Going on, uh, talking about the righteous man fleeing from his brother's wrath. Who is that? Probably Jacob fleeing from Esau's wrath. Prospered him in his labors? Prospered him in his labors? What are you talking about? Well, remember he worked for his uncle Laban for seven years times two. So for 14 years, he uh, worked for his uncle Laban. And this, that recognition going on, when a righteous man was sold, wisdom did not desert him, but delivered him from sin. She descended with him into the dungeon. And when he was in prison, she did not leave him. Who is that? That is Joseph, who had that amazing Technicolor dream coat. But just what a gift to be able to then go send to Moses, who and wisdom led them through the Red Sea. There is something so powerful about recognizing that you and I had our lens shaped so thoroughly over these last 300 plus days that we, not only that we know the stories and we know the characters, we know the biblical allusions, but the fact that we've been not only shaped to, to know the stories and be familiar with the characters, but the main character, God himself, we know what it is to recognize his fingerprints in the world around us. So that here is the last little line here, last thing here. She gave to holy men the reward of their labors. She guided them along a marvelous way and became a shelter to them by day and a starry flame through the night. Remember the pillar of cloud during the day and the pillar of fire at night, that's wisdom. And that's what you and I are seeking. And what a gift because the Lord promises to all those who seek wisdom, wisdom shall be given. And so we're seeking wisdom and we wanna have that ability to see that wisdom to see God's fingerprints, God's working, God's action in all of the actions around us. And of course, to always have the wisdom to never depart from him, to say never claim that here's God's will when we don't know what God's will is, to not fight a battle that he's not calling us to fight, to never ever do anything in his name that he's not calling us to do in his name, but to always rely upon him and to recognize that with him, our paths will be straight even if they are difficult. <laughs> As Jesus has reminded his apostles, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so we're praying for each other because uh, yes, while God is with us, this life is still a battle and this life is still difficult and this road can still be incredibly rough. And again, like I said yesterday, I think it was, this large community, we need to pray for each other because this might be a horrible season. This might be a very difficult season for our brothers and sisters who are listening. And so if you are, if this is your horrible season right now, know of our prayers. We are literally praying for you right now. 
We are praying for you right now. Lord God, please be with our brothers and sisters who are right now in the midst of trial, in the midst of a season of suffering. Be with them. Lift them up. Help them to never give in to discouragement, but give them courage because you have overcome the world. I am praying for you. Please pray for me. My name is Father Mike. I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. God bless. Thank you.